Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Terry Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part is is brought to you in part by um, Sun Power Sports. I was looking at too many different things, saying goodbye to the director. Thank him for coming on. Uh, Sun Power Sports is Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer, and my computer says he's not there, but the phone says he is. So we're going to go and say good morning to Nate Zielinski. Are you there, Mr. Zielinski? I am here, live and present. Well, that's pretty good. I tell you what, Nate, um, I know you got a lot of fishing and hunting to talk, but we just spent an hour with Bob Broshide, the director of Parks and Wildlife. And the one comment I want to make to people, and you and I, it's it's part of our livelihood, so obviously it's important to us. But anybody who enjoys the outdoors has to become aware of what's going on with funding now and make sure we we solidify keeping these resources available for our kids and our grandkids and and for things going on and i just appreciate the fact that he's an outdoor enthusiast who hunts and fishes absolutely you know i was actually supposed to fish with him this spring at cherry creek and uh some meetings kind of got piled up and wasn't able to do so but uh no to have somebody that involved in engaging in the outdoors themselves uh is great to have as a director of partial wildlife there's no doubt about it it really is now my friend I would be willing to bet that you, you know, it's this time of the year. I'm looking out the window. I know it's a little windy. It's not quite as warm, but actually it's been (laughs) overly warm lately. But I don't know whether you pick up a shotgun, a fly rod, a fishing rod, a rifle. You could even still go out with a bow and arrow and a a muzzle loader if you had a rifle season tag coming up. It's, It's hard to decide, Nate. It is. Everything's going on, you know, and today is probably one of the most popular uh, popular days for the big game season. Today is the first day of what you consider the second combined season. So this is the first uh, basically rifle deer tag for most of the mountain zones. Uh, it's the long, or the first longest week uh, for the elk season, uh, so a lot of people take advantage. This is a, a longer season, second and third week for us here in Colorado, uh, our nine-day season, so you get two weekends. Um, so there is a lot of big game hunters in the field right now, and and with that, we see a lot of these people bringing fishing gear with them. You know, they hunt early in the morning, uh, you know, hunt late in the evening, fish during the day. Uh, so there's a lot of things going out in the mountain zones. Um, and, you know, both fishing and hunting are good. I was actually out this morning, um, and we had extremely high winds and almost blizzard-like conditions. Uh, sideways snow, 40-mile-an-hour winds. Uh, so it was not the best big game uh, opener, I would say, for the second <laughs> rifle that I've seen in the past. Uh, but I don't think uh, really anybody had a chance to push the animals around, harvest anything, at least where I was at. So uh, I really anticipate a good afternoon hunt, if not tomorrow, as this kind of cold front kind of passes through. So it's very excited about that. You know, I know we're going to talk quite a bit of fishing today, too, because there's a lot going on. But, you know, two or three weeks ago, we thought the first rifle season was setting up to be incredible. It was a normal fall. We had snow in the high country. The temperatures looked like cool. And then it got to be 80 degrees. How much effect did that have on the harvest for the last season? You know, it really, it depends on your area. We talked about this going into it, and obviously last week and I was actually in the field, um, and by my 10 o'clock segment, I had a, a very large bull last week, uh, you know, 
halfway packed out of the mountain. So we had a great opener. Um, I was talking with a good friend of mine, Jeremiah Blosser. A lot of people know that name. Uh, Robert Blosser, who uh, has three world titles to his name now after this last fall. So he uh, he's quite uh, quite the walleye angler in that world. Uh, this is his brother Jeremiah. You know, great friends. We hunt together. You know, I hunt back there. We fish together. Uh, long story short, that we had an amazing season, but we actually chose to to seek out lower ground and actually higher temps. And a lot of people kind of think that's crazy, but we uh, we were hunting in an area that we had a lot of elevation change in the unit we were hunting. So we had the option to go high or go low. Um, and the high country had some snow. The bulls were breaking apart from the cows. Um, you know, the bulls were starting to rest. Everything was in the timber. And it was kind of hard conditions, uh, especially with those temperatures. But the super low elevation, we still had rut conditions. So that opening morning, we got into a massive harem. Um, so we had, I think, 14 bulls, a little over 100 cows. Um, and we actually got on these animals two and a half hours before light just to make sure we we're on them and we literally laid down and tried to take a nap just outside this harem just to stay on them so when it got first light we could uh, be right on top of them um, and i would say in that two and a half hours before light we probably heard three four hundred bugles um i mean it was literally full-blown rut conditions for that first those first couple days of that season um so it was unbelievable for us but really depending on where you were at if you had rut conditions um, you know, a rut situation with bull still bugling, those high temps helped you because they really kept those animals in that rut. Um, so you were able to go out early in the day, locate these with bugling, uh, and almost have archery or muzzleloader style hunting during that first rifle. Now, if you were in other areas where the rut had already stopped, um, those warm temperatures made those animals bed down quickly. Um, you know, so your daily animal activity was probably cut down to an hour and a half to two hours for the full day, uh, making it very, very tough. So I really heard a lot of both situations. I had, uh, I heard from hunters all across the state of Colorado, and I say half the state said they had an absolutely amazing hunt with the rut conditions, and the other half that were hunting animals that had already broken apart, those animals were already basically in a, uh, a resting stage, um, and they had very tough conditions. So it was really almost a unanimous split across the state of either amazing or very, very poor. And unfortunately, that's kind of what a lot of times we're dealing with in different situations and di different elevations. It's just kind of how uh, how the dice roll. And, you know, hopefully, uh, or I should say good for all those people that uh, that kind of timed it right and were able to, to adapt to the conditions. And everybody that had it tough. Uh, it's one of those years that, uh, you know, when it's tough, it's tough. So I yeah. wish I had more advice for him. Well, you know, and when the hunting is, you know, have a plan B and it's hunting and, you know, it, it's still not harvesting, it's hunting and enjoy the hunt. Um, a lot of the people, of course, that this current rifle season are in the field now, probably not listening. So let's move on and talk some fishing because, as you know, I used to hunt a lot all over the country and I pretty much have put the rifle and shotgun down for the most part because fall fishing is so good and it's not crowded. You've got people out hunting. You've got people in watching football. You've got the kids in school. And I loved being water this time of the year. Absolutely. There's, I mean, there's just, it's some of the best bites the entire season. You know, I want to kind of change it up too. We've been talking so much walleye, and that walleye bite there, we're going to touch base on that walleye bite. But I spent most of my week up at Spinning Mountain Reservoir, uh, actually on the way home, swung by, checked out the Antero from shore, uh, 11 mile, all these mountain fisheries. They're all fishing very similar, even like the Delaney Buttes. You know, I, I love chasing shallow reservoirs. I mean, that's like my thing. You know, I love spinning. I love Antero, the Delaney's. Anytime where you can use the Lake John, anytime you can fish those shallow, weedy flats, 
um, you know, you just grow these big trout and they all fish very similar. And, you know, the one thing that I got to say that we talk about education, talk about, you know, how people can be more successful. I had a, a group of anglers that came in from Indiana, whole family, uh, you know, sons, mom, dad, um, and we went out trout fishing. They had an unbelievable trip. And it's one of those things that I get so, I think, caught up in how we fish and the style that we fish that nobody ever really tells me how different it is. So I don't really make notice of it. But we got out there, um, and it was all about reaction fishing, reaction fishing with spoons, reaction fishing with jerk bait. Uh, and really, we're doing a lot of swimming tube jigs. Um, but regardless, we were fishing in 45-degree water. We were fishing in, say, 10 to, say 4 to 10 feet of water, really a big swath there, but from 4 feet of water to about 10 feet of water. And we were catching all of our fish about a foot below the surface, working baits as fast as you could work them. And, you know, we caught our first fish, a big 24-inch rainbow. And this person looked at me, and they're like, this is incredible. They're like, we, when you told us to keep going faster, 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 we thought you were nuts. You know, they thought there was no human way a fish could catch a bait moving that fast. Um, and really, we, we struggled to try to convince people almost on a daily basis to work their baits this aggressive, this fast. But once they do, it blows your mind at the results you'll have by creating that reactionary bite, uh, especially in that clear water. All these lakes have super clear water. And so many times that you work a bait too slow and these fish literally just follow the bait. They see the, you know, they see the imperfections and they turn it off. As opposed to you're working the bait extremely aggressive, they don't have time to see the flaws. They react and they hammer the bait and it creates unbelievable numbers of fish as well as some really big fish. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest things to think about. Don't get caught up with the water temperature. Don't think, hey, man, this water is really cold. I need to really slow things down. This time of year, these fish are feeding aggressively, getting ready for winter. You can work a bait extremely aggressive, and it'll blow your mind the results you'll have. Well, you know, I, you, you touched on two or three things that I couldn't, I have to reinforce. One is um, people go out fishing, and you talked about spoons and tubes, especially for trout. People look at first a spoon or a blade bait, and they see this hunk of metal, and they, they see all these finely painted lures and soft baits that are so realistic with scents and all that. And they think, why would a fish eat that piece of metal? But if you fish spoons right and you use them, they are such an effective bait for almost all species of fish. It's just catching the angler is difficult to get them to use it. <laughs> and then you talked about reaction. And the two things people get afraid of is too fast and too big. And until they catch some fish on big lures working fast, they don't realize that... You're going to catch fish of almost all sizes on that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, every time you go out there looking for a monster and you throw on the biggest bait you have, you know, half the time the first fish you catch is a small fish. You're not, generally speaking, you're not limiting yourself on size of fish by using a bigger bait. You're just opening the doors to the small fish as well as the big fish. So fishing too small is oftentimes limiting yourself. I can tell you as a as a guide of 17 years here in Colorado, I almost generally always go bigger than smaller on my first approach, just because, again, open the doors to all the fish in the lake. You know, it'll blow your mind and, you know, make it easy on them to see. We always preach that, you know, it, it's about making sure that the fish can see it, make sure they can catch it, just cater to the fish and what they need. And this type of water here, um, you know, all these lakes have this super clear water. Work a bait fast so it's loud. Work a bait fast so it's flashy. Um, again, you're going to create more notice by working a bait more aggressive. Um, and again, you can't outreel reel these fish. I mean, all the rainbows, browns in our fisheries, um, I mean, they don't make a reel that could go fast enough to where these fish can't catch it. These fish are, are very fast. Their aim is key. Their eyes are great. And uh, again, you work a bait much faster than you're probably comfortable with, almost uh, you know, unorthodox fast. 
uh, it'll, it'll shock you, the fish that you catch. And that's what the bites are right now. And then the same thing with shallow. I mean, half the time you pull into these areas and you can see bottom and people just, they panic on us. And we pull up to a spot and say, all right, start casting. They're like, man, what am I casting here for? I can see bottom. Um, and you start casting these type areas and, you know, the fish literally come out of the woodwork. They come out of the weeds. They show up randomly. Um, but again, the, the shallower fish that most people oftentimes overlook are oftentimes the biggest and without a doubt, sometimes the easiest to catch across the board. I don't care if you're a saltwater, freshwater across the United States, shallower fish tend to be more aggressive uh, in larger scale, almost on any, any aspect. So again, go bigger and go shallower and it'll shock you the, the results that you'll have. Okay. So Nate, we got a couple minutes left. We've got a um, little windy today, cooler, but it's supposed to be pretty nice weather again for the next few days. A um, couple spots that, if somebody's heading out tomorrow or early next week when everybody else is back at work, where would you send them? The two things that I would say you got to hit right now with my thoughts, Spinning Mountain Reservoir, like we're talking about, focus on the entire north half of the reservoir, so the inlet, north bay, anything on that north half, focus on you know four to ten feet of water. If you have nothing else with you, bring a three-and-a-half-inch tube jig, uh, something light in color, gray, white. Uh, pearl, whatever, light color, tube jig, three and a half inch, work it more aggressive. Never let it touch the bottom. That bite will blow your mind. The other bite, Pueblo Reservoir right now. We have walleyes going at Cherry Creek, Chatfield, uh, but Pueblo right now, you can pull off into deeper water, focus on 25 to 50 feet on the edges of structure. Um, you'll be able to easily locate the fish on your graph, drop down a jigging wrap right on top of them, uh, jig vertically six inches off bottom, and you, you can't you know, you, you can't fail in that type of situation. So Pueblo for walleye, spinning for trout, uh, within the next, you know, seven to 10 days is going to be a dynamite bite for everybody out there. And if somebody wants to book a trip, how do they find you? Absolutely. Go to tightlineoutdoors.com. So everything's at tightlineoutdoors.com. We are open now for our ice fishing tournaments. We're really excited about that. So tickets are on sale for ice addiction right now. Uh, and then we also encourage everybody to join me live Tuesday evenings on my live feed from Botex. So again, that's going to be uh, 8 p.m. for everybody here in the Rockies area. Uh, and then you can go to my personal Facebook page or the Botex Archery Facebook page uh, to catch up on all your hunting tactics. My friend, thank you so much. It's a great time to be outdoors in Colorado. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Nate. Nate Zielinski. Always great information. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. And now we are going to go right to the phones. And joining us, uh, this gentleman has been a contributor to this show for I, I don't even know how many years. Um, he used to run the Lake John store. You all remember him and his lovely wife, Mr. Bill Wilcox. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? I'm, do, I'm doing well. I can't even remember the first time we had you on the radio or did TV with you. It's been a, it's been a great run, my friend. Yes, it has. And I'll tell you what, I learned an awful lot from you over the years and and uh, I tell you, I'm still putting it to use today. So, well, you you're kind of I got a I got a real important question for you. You kind of I'm not going to say you're retired, but you guys sold the 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 Lake John store. You're still living in the area. Are you fishing more, or is uh, is the missus got a to do list that's keeping you off the water? You know, I I do have a to do list to do, and I've got a lot of projects. You know, when you're buying a when you buy a buy a house, you got to do that. But I tell you, I have I have probably fished more this summer than I have in in many years put together. So I am getting a chance to get out and get a line wet and 
and talk to some of the some of the locals. I've run into so many people over at the lakes that that I've known over the years, and and uh, we're still able to to talk about the the hot spots and hot lures and and hot techniques. So we we still kind of almost got the best of both worlds. That's awesome. You're still living in the area, and I just congratulations to you. And I, and before we get into what the fishing is, thank you for everything. Not only you provided to the show with information over the years, but the way you treated people at the store. And by the way, the store's still open. You sold it. There's new management, supposedly oh, yeah. real nice people yep. and everything. But yep. you and you guys just treated everybody so well and always made it a great experience. But let's get to what people really want to hear. What's the fishing like up there? You know, Lake John has been, as you remember, it's been uh, a few years now that they've had the minnow explosion with the sticklebacks, and they've been putting an awful lot of fish in Lake John. And they're, they've got a lot of the, the sticklebacks under control. We're not seeing the great big pods of, of minnows anymore. You're, when you clean a fish, you still see see that there there's still some in there because they're eating well on them. But you're not seeing the the gross amounts of fish are growing quick. There's still some huge, huge fish in there, but they've got her stocked pretty pretty well for the future. And we're gonna see we're gonna see a, a an explosion, in my opinion, anyway, of of a whole lot of fish here in the next few years that are gonna be entering that that good uh, stretch your line size. So it's, uh, they're already fun to catch it at up to probably 14, 15. And then you're still going to tie on to, to some of the big ones that are running. Oh, they got to be going six, eight pounds and maybe even a few double digits. So well, that bodes well for now. How long is their boat access? Is that still open or is that ended for the year? They have, you know, if you can launch a boat with without the use of a dock, then you can still still launch them. They have pulled the docks at John. Uh, the North End boat dock ha- was pulled out and tipped on its side. They were doing some work on it. Um, the Parks and Wildlife were, and when they finished, they pulled went ahead and pulled it pulled it out. The last I was over to um, the Delaney's, all three docks were still in. Now whether that's still the case. Uh, I don't know, Terry, but it, it was just recently that they were all in. So what kind of fishing have you been experiencing most recently, and has it been from shore or boat or both? I've been doing mostly from shore with the fly rod. Um, we hit different spots around all the lakes, all three Delaney's and Lake John. And uh, as far as the catching goes, of course, some days are better than others, but we're very, very rarely ever skunked in some days and that, especially on John. We can stand there and catch 20, 30 fish in a matter of a few hours. Um, now, the good fishing, we've talked to some that have been uh, trolling for the browns. Of course, it's brown time, time, time of year for for uh, the Delaney Lakes and these guys that are out in some tubes that are, uh, that are experienced a little bit with this time of year have been doing real well. Um, so it's uh, all three. All three of the Delaney Lakes are doing well, and so is John. So, but as far as the trolling goes, I did do some trolling this summer on uh, on Lake John, and again, it was it was phenomenal. So, we got about two minutes left, Bill. And the last thing I want to touch on is something that's near and dear to both our hearts, 
And that's it. it we're only a month away from when that lake's going to freeze up and we can walk mm-hmm. on the water. Um, from what you're telling me, I would anticipate a really good ice fishing season there. I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it, and and so are all my friends. If if uh, we caught some real nice fish from uh, all three Delaney's this year, South Delaney was a was a bit of a sleeper last year as far as um, some big fish. They pulled some nice rainbows, a 22-23 over slot last year. I expect that to even be better. Um, as far as action goes, Blake John ought to be phenomenal with the uh, with still some big fish in there. And, you know, that first ice is, is some of the best of the season, the best of the uh, the ice fishing year. And I think it's going to be phenomenal. And I don't think it's going to, they're going to be hard to find. I think you just, you just go out and have some fun and, and take the kids and have a good time. Well, we got to go, but I think what we need to do is get you on in about a month and get us updated on those ice conditions when they set in. I'd be happy to, because we'll be some of the first out there, and, and we'll give you a, a first-hand report, Terry. All right. And you and I, it's been too long since we fished together. Now that you have time, I have to find time. You got it. Bill, thank you so much for everything over the years, and uh, thanks for being still a resource to the show. We'll call on you often. All right. Well, thank you, Terry, and you have a great day. You bet. That's Bill Wilcox, just a great resource. And I want to know when that ice fishing is going to get good out there because it's going to be fantastic. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, Colorado's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. We're going to go right to the phones now, and joining us from Colorado Clays is J.R. Pierce. Good morning, J.R. Good morning, Terry. You know, I, I, I know we're going to talk about, we got pheasant hunting coming up, we got the facility, we want to talk about some of the classes, but before we even get started, somebody wanted me to ask you if you found your lost sunglasses and fishing rod yet. <laughs> uh, okay, so... That's a funny man that asked that, obviously. <laughs> and yes, I've got the glasses and I've replaced the rod and it's game on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we both know who told me to ask that. Yep, good old Ron. Yeah, he said, you know, he said uh he said, uh, don't let him off the hook. He 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 left he lost his glasses and left his fishing rod. He said we had a great trip though, he said. Yeah, always a great trip, always a fun guy to fish with. Um can be a handful, though. But, you know, one of the things that, um, actually, i got to let you in on a secret. It was Doug that told me to say it. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, that changes things a little bit. I'll yeah. take care of that here in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, that's the thing is, you know, Doug, of course, Doug Craft out there. You guys are always so much fun. And, you know, the, before we even get into the shooting part, you guys, both you and Doug, are such avid anglers. Folks, if you see the pictures, Jr. would text me during the week just to just to light me up. And then he says, we should go, we should go. And then he always calls me when he gets back from the trip and says, you should have been there. I mean, those huge trout you caught on this last trip, JR, those were fantastic. You know, Terry, and I, I love talking fish, and I could do that all day. My brother and I do our annual uh, fall bite trip to a few lakes, and we have our things we do and where we go. And this year was just exceptional. So, yeah, I had to go ahead and uh, make you pay for that one. Well, here, yeah, well, here's a good idea. If somebody's a shotgunner and they're a fisherman, now a lot of times when you're out, especially like pheasant hunting or upland game or even grouse uh, or even elk hunters, a lot of times they'll take their fishing rods with them, hunt morning, fish in the middle of the day, hunt the evening. So come out to Colorado Clays, 
JR is usually there. You ask for him. If he's not, talk to Doug. Get some great angling information and at the same time shoot at one of the best places to practice for the upcoming shotgun seasons. In fact, we've got pheasant and quail. We just pretty much dove have wound down. We've got this coming up, waterfall still going on. Somebody wants to come out, tell them about the facilities and how you can help them practice for those outings. All right, Terry. Well, thanks for that. First, um, I think everybody knows we are Colorado's premier public, you know, shooting facility, and we provide everyone the opportunity to enjoy shooting sports and in a very safe, friendly environment. So let's start uh, with our rifle pistol range, uh, 25-yard pistol range of the target return. Uh, would like to say good luck to all of the uh, rifle hunters that have been coming out to sight in and make sure they're on the money for the upcoming hunts. It's been a pleasure to see them all. We do have that state-of-the-art 100-yard rifle range, which features telephoto cameras on your target and a monitor in your base, so you can do your sight in in real time. Um, and with all the data available, you can dial that gun in to where you want it to hit from 100 on out. Um, so great tool for those hunters. And, of course, we have our uh, five ATA traps, uh, our training trap for the beginners, the kids, whatever, couple of skeet fields with wobble trap overlays, which I hope we talk about here, and then our beautiful 15-station sporting clays course, which I'm telling you, Terry, in this uh, Indian summer, we have been doing so many uh, corporate events, fundraisers, bachelor's parties, family outings, and uh, anybody out there with interest, please give us a call because great time of year for those. Now, if I'm getting ready for pheasant, and by the way, we, we had the director of Parks and Wildlife in studio the first hour, and he confirmed that he's hearing the same thing. We're going to have Ed Gorman on next week, who is the biologist in charge of this. But he's, he's, we're looking at what could be a banner pheasant season in Colorado. Now, a lot of you folks that head up to the Dakotas, um, they're not doing so well up in the Dakotas. But Colorado, Nebraska, and Kansas are actually looking really well. And it looks like we're going to have a really great season. Now, it'll depend on weather and timing, and different parts of the state will be different. But, boy, if you're looking to get out, but the fact that it's going to be a banner season means you're going to get more chances to shoot and you got to be ready. So what do you do? A pheasant hunter comes in to Colorado Clays, said, I want to get ready for pheasant season. What should he be doing? All right, Terry. Well, we went from dove. We talked about all that. Uh, for the upland bird hunters, I think we all know that the most common shot on your upland game birds is a ground-level flush at varying, you know, quartering angles up and away. So the best target, target type of practice for these birds is obviously going to be one that can represent the angles and the randomness you encounter in the field. So at Colorado Clays, we have a wobble trap overlay on our skeet fields. That It's the perfect practice for this type of hunting. Our wobble trap is hidden in a concrete trap house right at ground level. The machine itself oscillates left to right and up and down. So the target it throws for you is coming from the ground level. It's leaving at those varying angles and elevations and is completely random and unpredictable. So when you, you know, combine that with the variety of shooting positions relative to the trap on our skeet field, uh, it makes it the perfect warm-up for the upland bird hunter and really anyone that just enjoys shooting. 
No, you're absolutely right. By the way, you made a comment that I have to contradict. There is nothing that gets you ready to hit doves. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That definitely applies to you, Terry. Oh, yeah, it does. Hey, um, uh, before we go to, you have some classes. I think you guys offer, like, concealed carry classes and things out there? Yes, we do. So to get those dates, um, we'll go to um, coloradoclays.com. And I will tell you that, you know, people getting your concealed carry permit, um, it does allow you to have your weapon with you when you want it or feel like you need it. But I'd like to add also that doing the class at Colorado Clays, you're also going to get a wealth of information on gun handling, uh, function, safety, and ethics, and some high-quality range time with one of our expert instructors. So these classes are an amazing opportunity to increase your knowledge and abilities, uh, just the class itself. And the best way is just go to coloradoclays.com. You've got information on all this, right? Absolutely, Terry. We keep everything there. Keep in touch with us or call the range. Uh, Either is fine. All right. And you and I do have to get on the water together. You know what? If we don't get on the water before freeze-up, I'm taking you ice fishing. All right. So be it. All right, sir. Thank you so much again. Thanks, Terry. That's JR. And JR. I'm just glad you got back your fishing rod and your sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking care of that right now. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Let's go right back to the phones. And joining us from one of my favorite sponsors, a product you find in my refrigerator all the time, and I and I, I think I got them lit up here, right? Yeah, I got it. And something that I just love to eat. And we have Spencer Mason from uh, Honey Smoked Fish Company. Spencer, before we even get into it, we talk about superfood. We talk about how good it tastes. We talk about how good it is for you. But let's be honest. It's how good it tastes and what it's like to eat it that really brings me back. Yeah, I mean, morning, Terry, by the way. Yeah, good morning. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's nothing else like it on, on the product. It's not just a smoked salmon company. Uh, you know, many people, when they first see us for the first time, they may think of us as lox, which is more of like a cold smoked salmon, and nothing against that at all. We love lox as well. But that's just kind of more of a slimy texture, slimy feeling, and you can only use it on a few uh, few food items and a few dishes while our smoked salmon i mean it's so good for you but like you're saying the taste of it um it's so subtle not very over fishy over fishy tasting and the texture of it is not very slimy either so that's why we say that you can use it in pretty much any dish that you would normally use with like chicken or beef or shrimp i always tell people that if you don't even think you like smoked salmon try honey smoked because it is oh, yeah. so different it is so great and all people come back and say well it's expensive i say no look at the amount you get in the package because people will go if you look at it per ounce it's way cheaper i said well the reason they have to put more in a package is once you start eating it you can't stop <laughs> oh yeah that's exactly why you know, and it's... you should see us at uh you know at these trade shows these giant large restaurant shows we do you know, we see so many people that are fish eaters. They don't like salmon. They think it's too fishy. And, you know, we end up just convincing them just to try a bite, and they end up loving it. You know, we say that it even tastes more like ham. We say it's ham and not salmon, but with the benefits of salmon. Um, and like you're saying, just once people try that first bite, I mean, they're they're hooked. All right. People need to get out and just try it once, folks. Trust me. 
I, I'm not saying this because they're a sponsor. I've been eating this product. Gosh, you guys have been with me for like seven years or something, and it's been in my refrigerator the whole time. Tell them where they can find it, Spencer. You can find us at Costco, King Supers, Safeway, and Sprouts, and Sam's Club as well. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you, Terry. Have a good one. You bet. That's Spencer from Honey Smoked Fish Company. Before we go to break, I have something I want to announce. We um we didn't do an Ask the Expert because we had the Director of Parks and Wildlife on us for a full hour this week. So we're going to give away the $25 gift card to Sportsman's Warehouse to a texter. And the first one to text in, what items did JR from Colorado Clays lose? What were the items that JR from Colorado Clays lost? Text that to 303 713 1043. The first one in gets a $25 gift card to uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, and then they will text you back because once if you are the winner, we're going to need your phone number and address. So, what items did JR lose? Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Dire Straits is almost as hard for me to stop listening to as the Eagles. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Next Saturday, the 28th, they have a chili cook-off at the Harley Place. They have a blood drive with Bonfies, and they have trick-or-treating for the kids. They're going to come on next Saturday and tell us more about that, but mark your calendar. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us is a fly fishing author, accomplished fly fisherman. He's a frequent contributor to this radio show, Steve Schweitzer. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, Terry. How you doing? You know, I'm doing good, and I, I, I'm looking at the material you sent for your new book. And before I got the whole thing, I saw poppers, sliders, and I thought we're doing a, a show on hors d'oeuvres. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it would have been yeah, sliders and nails. But in a way, it is hors d'oeuvres because they're meals for some... Uh, pretty aggressive fish and this is a this is a, a book you've got coming out it's kind of a a different path than you've taken with some of the other books the two previous books that i have copies of was the a fly fisherman's guide to rocky mountain national park which is just an incredible book and then the sister companion book to the well uh, the the um yeah indian indian hills uh, indian hills wilderness yeah. area and just tremendous they're paperback but they're like tabletop books knowing you this book is going to be chock full of incredible photography but so what what drove you to decide to chase warm water fish on top of the water well first of all i've always warm water fished, even though i did uh you know a lot of high country and and alpine type fishing over the years and i grew up in the midwest and we had a farm pond on our property and so i grew up fishing poppers uh, ironically with a six and a half foot fiberglass pole and a Zebco 303 reel on it. And I tried to fling it out there like I saw on TV that they did with poppers and, and fly rods, but I didn't understand that there was a fly rod. I didn't understand there was fly lines, but I caught little bluegills nonetheless on poppers. And I'm just going back to my roots with this book. Well, and you know something, I'm a big proponent of uh, warm water lakes and things, especially even for beginning fly, fly anglers. And one of the reasons is first, there's a lot of access, park ponds, local lakes, high water lakes, even you can use some of these poppers for big trout too. But there's a lot of access. It gives people a chance to get out there and work them. But I think that what happens is fly fishermen get kind of this mindset about they need to be in the river and they need to be drifting a, 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 an exact replica of something and, and just, you know, working it through little seams. 
and they miss out on this. And second, I think they're a little afraid because they're not sure of how to approach it. You had a background in this because you fished some warm water in the past. What do you think to most fly fishermen, and before we get into the fly tying and all that's in the book, is the most challenging part of learning to fish these in lakes? Well, it's it's less challenging than uh, uh, traditional fly fishing in streams and rivers and lakes uh, for trout in that the, the popper or the lure is usually on top. Um, it usually floats and then it may dive or, or um, skip back and forth, but um, it's a visual uh, learning curve and it's so great for kids. It's so great for those who are just getting into uh, fly rod fishing because it's very, uh, a very visual. The fish strike the, the, the lure with abandon. And uh, so I, I actually, easy, an easy way to teach and bring people into fly fishing. What about equipment? Can you fish most of these with a four or five weight? Do you need something a little more stout? Yeah, yeah. yeah some of the smaller uh, poppers, size 10 and 12 uh, poppers or, or sliders or divers, those are uh, suited well to a four or five weight. But you get some of these bigger poppers that uh, replicate the size of a small frog. Uh, you're throwing a lot of wind resistance there. So you're going to need a six, seven, maybe even an eight weight in some cases for some of the bigger pike lures that you might throw out there. So, yeah, take the bigger rod. Now, is, is, I want to get into what the book's about, but um, it's just tremendous opportunity. The book, though, is really going to come out right around Thanksgiving. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it will be available Thanksgiving in time for Christmas. So we'll get you we'll get you back out on and we'll talk more about it. But take us through the book. Now your normal books involve a lot of photography, a lot of pictures. Describe this book and what people will see when they pick it up. Yeah, yeah, it's 300 pages. It's got uh, over 800 color photographs, uh, and it basically uh, walks uh, the uh, lure maker, and I call it fly rod lures because they're not flies per se. Um, but I, it walks the lure maker through all the materials and, and uh, techniques uh, ready, readily available today to, uh, to make topwater lures. And then I walk through 17 patterns using uh, materials like cork, foam, uh, balsa, uh, and some other floating type materials that are available today. Um, but it's uh, it step by step, and it, it, there's some pretty neat tricks that I've put in the book that uh, uh, aren't uh, normally discussed, so and you've a couple got, surprises in there. And you've got poppers, sliders, and divers, which all have a little different effect. When we get you back on, we'll go into detail. Obviously, a popper stays on top, a diver goes under and comes back up as you pull it. So what, what's, a, what's, a, um, what's a slider? Yeah, a slider is much like a, um, walking the dog type of lure, uh, so you can actually do that with a fly rod. Um, so, and Really, if you think about it, poppers and sliders and divers is really replicating for the fly rod fishermen what spin fishermen have been doing for uh, as, as long as fish have been known to take stuff on top. So we're, you know, we're really taking uh, spin fishing technology um, back into fly fishing. Um, and the modern uh, popper, slider, and diver is less than 100 years old. So uh, it's, it's re- still relatively new to the sport in terms of the the tenure. Well, we're running out of time, but I want to get you back on. But one last, what are some of the species you've caught on these lures? Oh, my gosh. Um, peacock bass, redfish. Um, uh, I caught a jack in Hawaii this year. Uh, of course, bass and panfish, pike, uh, you name it. Anything that can be 
uh, caught here in, with, with trout-type stuff can be caught on top. Well, and, you know, you can catch some awfully big brown trout and things on some of these lures, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll Absolutely. come after these. They're aggressive. People think you have to have little flies sometime. Steve, um, poppers, sliders, and divers, it's not a book on hors d'oeuvres. It's going to be out around Thanksgiving. Uh, of course, your other books, real quick, when, you, where can they get all of your books? Just go on Amazon.com. You can type in my last name or, or, or the book the title that interests you, and it'll pop right up. And we've got the Fly Fisherman's Guide to Rocky Mountain National Park. We've got to the Indian uh, Peak Wilderness Area. And we've got to uh, the new one coming out, and we will get you back on. But I'm looking forward to it because I love fishing this way. Yeah, we'll have to actually uh, make a point to go out and fish those this year, Terry. That'd actually, be awesome. Let's make sure we do. We've got some hard water coming up here soon. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Steve. All right. Thanks, Terry. Take care. We'll get you back on again soon. Steve Schweitzer, just tremendous. Hey, by the way, if you found a lot of interesting thing on today's things on today's show, don't forget to follow us on Facebook. You know, Facebook is the focal point of this show. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We had the Director of Parks and Wildlife talking about the funding issues on for an hour this morning. We will condense those four segments into one segment, so it'll be about 45 minutes. And we will put that on our Facebook page, probably in conjunction with a column I'm going to write for the Denver Post. I write a weekly column for the Denver Post. And we will have uh, we will have that on there. Probably won't show up till Tuesday or Wednesday on the Facebook page. But we always put up lots of information. You're going to get stocking and fishing reports. You're going to get tips when I'm out on the water. We're going to tell you what's coming up if we're going to be on remote. By the way, next week we are on remote. We are not going to be broadcasting from the studio. We are going to be at um, at Slowburn Cigars in Parker. That's Slowburn Cigars in Parker. We're going to be out there next week, so join us there. And like I said, follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and tune in every week from 9 to 11 for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors right here on 104.3 The Fan. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Karen, for keeping me online. Thank you, folks, for listening. Hopefully we brought you lots of good information, and we'll talk to you next week on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Stood in the